welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. It's suddenly become incredibly spiritually significant for everybody. It's no longer I just do that to copy or to do what we're doing. I know what I'm doing here with this left hand. I know what I'm doing with this right hand. I know this is a connection. In the middle letter, one of the things I didn't mention was, you remember the middle letter looked like a sort of a squarish N type character. And I mentioned that the two strokes at the side in the meaning of the Hebrew letter mean a connection between earth and heaven. It's Jacob's ladder, the certain place. Uh, and across the top I mentioned that that is, is heaven but it's also seen as God's banner his banner over us we, we sung it in one of the songs this morning and I was reminded it, of, of it God's banner over us and God did many things over that weekend the worship that followed that as, it was, as far as I'm concerned was unique I don't think I've experienced anything like that and every session the worship and the God encounter was different uh, and I think that quite well flowed through if you were there on the Sunday morning as well you probably came with a feeling of what have I come into and we had an event and it was in a different place and I think a lot of it though was our visitors we often think we put on something and we do do this to share with people what God is doing and we did, because it was very much what God is doing amongst us. But there was a challenge to me, and maybe to you, that why don't I walk in with that expectation every Sunday that those guys arrived with? It's so easy to become familiar with the, with the ways that we do things. Even when God's present and the worship's great, you can sometimes, that was just another great bit of worship, But there is very much at this time, amongst us as a people, that Psalm 42 that I was quoting at the end there. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows, all your waves and breakers, wash over me. And Psalm 42, I mean that's a beautiful passage, I've always loved that passage, I've had banners and posters, the deep calls unto deep. When you look at the whole of Psalm 42, and it runs into Psalm 43 as well, it's one in the original, um, you see that that cry is in the middle of quite a lot of despair. I'm not seeing the fullness of what God is supposed to be doing. And and some things have obviously gone wrong in the psalmist's life. Uh, And you get this resolution come through in other places in that psalm of, yeah, I'm going to praise God. Reminds me of the disciples, you know, when Jesus turns to them and said, are you going to leave me? And they say, well, where else are we going to go? We've given up everything else to follow you. There's not a lot of choice now, basically, they say. And this psalmist says something very similar. Well, what else is there? I've tasted the goodness. I've tasted the reality. What else is there? Everything else is pretty tame compared to knowing the line of Judah. And the only way you can backslide is to pretend a lot of that hasn't happened if you've experienced it. Because you know. You know. 
I, I probably everyone in this room, or nearly everybody in this room, can remember different times when they know they encountered God. I mean, last weekend, lots of people did. And obviously, the way you encounter God, it can change from time to time. And it's not just about encountering God here, but you understand what I mean. Those times of God is in the house. Sometimes it causes you to jump and rejoice and you're like ecstatically happy. Or sometimes it causes you to just go over in the spirit. Do you remember Steve last week from um, Street Angels? If you were there on the Sunday night, we've been praying for people. and Sorry? Saturday night, yes. And they come in, the team, and then I said, well, do you want to come and pray? God's releasing anointing right now. And Steve was one of those guys. And so they hadn't really seen what had been happening, but they were, oh, yeah, we'll come and do that. And, well, I don't, uh, the, the, Steve didn't know about these kind of things particularly. He, 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 he did. It wasn't like he'd never seen it, I don't think. But uh, as I anointed him with some oil gently like that he went smack I mean he hit this floor hard I don't know who was catching but <laughs> you know he hit the floor and it was and, and, and to me it looked like he was sort of stuck on the floor and he was out there for ages just lying at the front here and when I spoke to him afterwards he just said what was that <laughs> what was that how did you do that and we talked <laughs> It turned out that God had said a lot of things to him down there and there were a lot of things going on in his life. And in fact, he'd had a deep cause to deep experience in the middle of all the things that weren't quite right. He was having an encounter with God that was giving him fresh hope. There was other things that happened, but that's between Steve and God. Now, so there is something that is happening amongst us that's causing, I believe, us as a people to... Well, I don't think we'd have thought we were immature, but I think God is really doing a work of causing us to grow up. Uh, as I mentioned uh, at the weekend, one of the weaknesses have been in churches like ours and backgrounds like ours is we've not taught people how to go through trouble. In fact, we've generally assumed that if you're going through trouble, something is wrong in your life. But Jesus quite clearly said, you will have trouble. And there is trouble and there is suffering. And we haven't always equipped people to live through that. Or if we've equipped people to live through that, they live through it with a kind of feeling of failure of faith as well. Because, oh, this is happening to me because I haven't believed hard enough. And we really need to look at what we understand of God and who he is. Because everyone in this room is going to go through trouble. And, you know, we've all got people we love. And out of those people we love, they will go through trouble. Even amongst just this room, as we look at one another, there will be people in this room, at different points, there will be some form of trouble. And then we're all going to be called home at one point or another. So some of our friends will go before us. And these are times of... Sometimes... We treat death like, oh, it's just the other place. You've gone home. You've gone to be with Jesus. It's fine. And we haven't taught how to experience that and go through that time, how to be in that deeper place. And I'm not saying right now I'm going to do this this morning and it will all be sorted because it's not like that. It's that God is taking us on a journey. And we can't get to that place without just being where we are right now. We've got to, well, this is where we are right now. We're learning a lot. 
about how to live in victory and how to live when we're not in victory or apparently not so and how not to judge one another or condemn one another or be afraid of that and that is the deepness because that's what it is in that psalm you see very often it can turn, get turned into kind of a fluffy thing that deep calling to deep is like a real lovely feeling from God calling to a real lovely feeling in you and that's nothing to do with what it is it's about encountering God's personality, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and coming close to him and intimate in him and walking with him through every circumstance of life. Yeah. I'm not preaching that we're all going to go around saying I'm going to have trouble this week. Of course we're not. We're still going to you know, positively confess our faith. But we're not going to feel like failures every time something doesn't quite work out because it's not going to get us anywhere. If we need to be rebuked for our little faith, Jesus will do that. But we don't do it to each other. Now, so we've been going through Ephesians, and I think that's part of what this deeper thing is, because many of you will be familiar with this book. And where we've got to, chapter 2, you're even more familiar, many of you, because two years ago we spent a long time there. Why are we doing that? Sally preached an amazing word Friday night from the parable of the sower. I mean, many of us would have known that since we were tiny. Some of us still are tiny, but you've grown up. Yeah. But, she, it was a, but it was an amazing word. The word that I brought uh, Saturday morning uh, about the Hebrew letters in the word worship, I've actually taught here before, but somehow God took it and we went to another place with him. And it was the same to, for me with every single message. I mean, Sally's message last week, Sunday morning, wasn't that a blazer? How on earth can it get so stressful and upsetting to take a piece of paper crown off your head and place it in front of a second-hand chair? <laughs> I don't know about you, but it was like, oh, this is hard. I'd written names. Most of mine was names of people that I love and are dear to me. And it was like, I don't want to cast this at your feet do I, 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 I and I realised that it was, on, it was as if I was saying to God I don't trust you with these people <laughs> and that, that was it for me I mean that was it was more than that but that was basically where I was I did as an afterthought almost add church leader on there but I can cast that crown before God that's just a role that's just a privileged role that God has given me at this moment but people it was such a simple message and nothing new about casting our crowns. There's that song we sung again this morning about casting our crowns. And how many times have we sung that song? Although this morning it had a little bit more poignancy than it did when I used to sing it. It's a familiar concept. And yet on that Sunday morning, for me, I don't know about for you, God took me deeper. And I think that's very much what God is doing. But it's not, it's not a kind of charismatic oh, we're all going to be jumping up and down more deeper, although we might well do. That's not its purpose at all. It's just a side effect. Its purpose is to enable us to be more the incarnation of Christ that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be fully in Christ. And when we walk our streets and towns and in our families and wherever we are, we go in Christ. And we show Christ to one another. And by the love we have one for another, they'll know who we are and that is deeper but it's costly as well because it sometimes grabs you and takes hold of you of, of things that you'd buried a bit 
there's a lot of the things that the reason, a lot of the things people bury are the reasons they leave churches. I mean, they never say this is the reason I'm leaving. It's usually some other reason that they'll say. But when you live in a community of people over a period of time, God begins to bring out the things that you didn't want bringing out. <laughs> You're very happy with them all hidden. Now, the reason he doesn't want them all hidden, because if you've got some cankerous, infectious rubbish inside you, of course it affects your overall health, doesn't it? It's like a cancer. You might not be able to see it, you might not even feel it, but it needs to be dealt with. And that applies in the spirit as well, the things that affect us. So God wants those things to be dealt with, but you need to be in a place where you're safe enough with other people and safe enough with him that that can be done, because sometimes it's very invasive to have that box opened. And as we've gone through Ephesians, one of the things that I think is absolutely important is this, is this concept, this understanding that he has placed us in the heavenly places. That he's placed us in heaven. He's seated us in heaven, if you like, at the right hand of the Father. Now, I just want to create that as a picture so that we can, we can keep that right in front of us, if that's okay. Um, who would like to be a Christian? <laughs> now, do we have any here today? Thank you, Kate. Could you come and sit on that chair? <laughs> right, here's our Christian. Now, first of all, you need to know that she's been chosen for this place. This, this is her place in heaven. Okay? Now, it says that you are sat in heavenly places in the Spirit at the right hand of the Father. So, Martin, can we have you as a father? As you are one. Just come and stand so that Kate's on your right-hand side. So, she's not sat alone in heavenly places. The Father's right there with her. Maybe that's what the father does. I do not know. But of course, the father is not alone. The father cannot be the father without something else. It would be a nonsense. You cannot be a father of nothing. There has to be a relationship. And I keep saying it and saying it because I think it's one of those deep things that we begin to grasp hold of. The, 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 the father is not called the first or the, the prime or the Fred. It's, it's, it's a name. Thank goodness for that. I know, I know some children think his name is Harold. Our Father in Heaven, Harold be your name. But it's not. It's just Father. And uh, he has therefore to be in relationship to a son or a daughter. But you cannot be anything else other than in relationship. So, Pete, could we use you as, as, a, as the son of God? Would you mind? <laughs> got a beard and everything <laughs> uh, and actually I'm going to put you behind because Christ surrounds us and uh, being Jesus you've probably got your hands on her shoulders because he's, he's such a communicator with intimacy and touch isn't he Jesus but we've still got someone missing the Holy Spirit now the Holy Spirit 
You say, well, that's not a name of relationship. But don't forget that the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which means breath. The word used in the Greek is pneuma, which is breath. And when you think about the breath of God, that's pretty intimate. If I go over to Ron now and just start breathing gently on his forehead, he's probably going to get a little queasy. <laughs> and not because my breath smells, but because of the intimacy of it. I mean, actually, I do do it a lot when I'm praying. I will blow over people. But it, the implication in that is, is breath, intimacy, even kiss. So the Holy Spirit, again, cannot exist without the rest. You can't have breath without somebody to breathe. So the Holy Spirit is the breath. Now, let's do something that annoyed people a lot uh, with the shack. Because <laughs> we're into that, aren't we? Stacy, could you come and be the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I did have a, a man for the Father, just to help you. But if his Holy Spirit comes and stands the other side of Kate... Now, if you're thinking, oh, that's a bit dodgy, just remember we're made in the image of God, both male and female. So actually, if we're going to represent the Godhead, three persons on the stage, we should have a female there because we're made in the image of God. And if, if God is all male, we lose so much of what we understand of God. And there are many, uh, for example, God is referred to as a mother hen gathering her chicks. That's not one of the images that you see so much, but God himself has pictures in the Bible of himself as female, because God is both. He's kind of above gender, really. He's, it, it's part of the mystery of who he is. You know, if, once you get over the fact that it's one God and three persons, you've then got to resolve the fact that he's both fully male and both fully female, and yet not both. It's, it's one of those things. It's like I was trying to demonstrate, I don't know when, at one of the meetings when I built the little box, the 2D world and the 3D world. It's we can't fully understand it because we don't actually live completely in this full dimension yet. We've been sat there to experience it. So look how Kate is so not alone. She's completely surrounded. Now, that's not just something we've created to look at. That is her position right now in heaven. Hallelujah. In the heavenly places, Kate is sat there. That's what we've just been doing through all this early stuff of Ephesians. So when you get to Ephesians 2, Kate gets to sit, you get to stand. I want that picture just to remain there for now. So as I speak, remember, this is where you are sat. You're not on your own. As for you, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, lived among them at one time, gratifying the natures of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Yeah, wrath. Wow. Let's think about that. First of all, dead. It says you were dead. Anybody out there that doesn't yet know the Lord, the Bible describes as dead. Why are they dead? 
they're walking around, they're having lives, they're getting married, they're having children, they're having jobs, they can be really nice people. So in what, why does the scripture there, why does Paul say they're dead, and what we'll come to in a minute, objects of wrath? Well, the reason they're dead is because they're not there. They're, they are cut off from the fullness of what God has for them. You see, if, you, if we had a dead animal here in this room right now at our feet, you know, he, that, that, let's have it as a dog. You're all going to get upset now because it's a dead animal. But, but there's a dead dog here. Dogs love to smell people. Dead dogs, they smell nothing. If the dog's called Sammy and you say, Sammy, come here. If the dog was alive, the dog would probably come to you wagging his tail. The dead dog will do nothing. The only advantage I can think of is you wouldn't need to follow it around with a plastic bag when you go for a walk. But it, in other words, it's not responding in any natural way to what's going on. Because it's dead to the natural. So when the Bible talks about you being dead in your transgressions, it means you are dead, cut off from the experience that God wants you to have in relationship with him. It's not Paul trying to be offensive. It's not Paul even trying to say, these are lesser people, because he's not. Because he's very strong on consider others better than yourselves. He's just saying this is the situation. He's been outlining in Ephesians chapter 1, and we've done it in previous weeks, our position in Christ. And then he takes people back a step. But remember, you didn't experience this. You weren't in this place, but you are now. Objects of wrath, objects of God's anger, if you like. How can a God who loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son to die for them also be a, declare they're an object of wrath? It's because God's nature is holiness. The nature of gravity is to pull things towards it. If I lift Ron up, in my arms, just imagine that, that's quite hard, isn't it? But here he is up there. And then I drop him, he will hit the floor. And then he might hit me. But he will hit the floor. Because gravity will pull him towards him. That is the nature of gravity. Gravity doesn't suddenly say, no, I'm not bothered about that one. The nature of gravity is it will pull you towards it. That is how it, that is how it works. If you look at magnetism, it works in a very similar way. Although there we could look at having two positive poles, couldn't we? And you know from your school days that if you put a positive pole to a positive pole, they repulse. The positive pole and the positive pole, that is their natural nature. They will push away from each other. They can't suddenly make a decision, I'm not going to let that happen. God is like fire. If I strike a match and hold it to a piece of paper, the piece of paper will catch fire just like the match, but it will be destroyed in the process. And God is like fire. That holiness, if it, comes in, if, it, if it comes into intimate connection with unholiness, it burns it up. It can't do anything else. And then you get the whole narrative of why Jesus came. To enable that to happen. I mean, these are analogies, and analogies always break down. So when, but when it describes people as objects of wrath, 
That is God's nature of holiness with their unholiness. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them. It doesn't mean he hates them. It doesn't mean he even wants them to destroy it. In fact, it means the opposite. It meant he went all the way to turn that round so that that did not happen. But they're still objects of wrath. But boy, is that misunderstood. Because it can sound like, because we know of natural anger, that it can mean hatred. And sometimes people will talk about, well, God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. And that's okay, but it's a bit saccharine. God, God hates, God's wrath is against sinners. But God's love is stronger and has provided the way, has provided the answer that we don't have to be destroyed by the fire. Amen, amen. But instead know his love, his joy, his peace, and everything else. But if he was to deny his very holiness, we wouldn't have this anymore. Instead of praying your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, it would be earth as invaded heaven and everything's in the same mess. The rebellion would have been taken to heaven with people, if you like. It, would just, it can't happen, but that's what you're talking about. It's a it's similar reason to uh, why in the story of Adam and Eve, when they cast out of the garden, it talks about angels being posted on the doors to the garden. Why weren't they allowed to go back in the garden? Was God just being mean? Was it just God's judgment? I don't like these people with what they've done anymore. Not letting them in there. That was a really nice place I made for them. They're not having it anymore. Some people think that's what the story is talking about. Whether they take it as a literal story or as an analogy, they think what the story is talking about is how God hates people and doesn't want them to have the best. God loves people and wants them to have everything. The reason that they were kept from the Garden of Eden was there was another tree they hadn't eaten of, which, if you remember, was the tree of everlasting life. If they'd eaten from that in the state that they were in, they would have been eternally cut off from God. So he made sure they couldn't be eternally cut off. He made sure there was another way to eat that tree when they had been made holy or eat from that tree in Jesus. That had to happen by places in this position where we have access to every spiritual blessing. You can see why you have access to every spiritual blessing. Amen. Look how close you are to the Trinity. Amen. You could put an arm on her shoulder as well, if you like, or, or a hand on her shoulder, you know, because you're, you're quite a loving dad. And I could ask you to kiss Kate, but I don't know how your relationship is, but <laughs> you could give her a hug. <laughs> But this is happening in heavenly places. We don't fully understand these things. It's that illustration that I used. Because we don't live in that dimension in the natural. We, we're still here. Let's read on a little bit. We all live like that. And here Paul makes it clear. But because of his great love for us. God who's rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in sin. It is by grace that you've been saved. It wasn't you. It was God's initiative. It was God making the way. And we can let go. Like, like we could talk of people coming here with an expectation that we can get used to. We can get used to grace. 
Think of it. By nature, we are objects of wrath. But actually, we live there. By grace, we've been saved. Isn't that amazing? I, 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 I just know that if... There'll be a day when we, when we see God in all his glory when we'll be, we'll be so blown away by this. We'll be so blown away. We're just, it's, it's just, maybe we'll be incredible, which literally means unbelievable, but we will believe it because we'll be there and we'll see it all. But it'll be, this is amazing. This is awesome. This is fabulous. Wow. Why didn't I see it in this fullness? And God will say, never mind, you're here now. <laughs> and God raises us up with Christ, and here we are, the bit that we're illustrating, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There is one thing, or one illustration, that is powerfully missing at the moment. Can you see it? can't act it out very well here but it's, it's something that's missing and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus have a think I'll, talk, I'll, I'll say what one of the things I think is missing in our picture here in a minute powerful though I think that can be when you think that's me I'm there just by grace not because you're a super person or, or a bad person it doesn't that actually is irrelevant that's the whole point of grace you're there we can stop stressing and trying to do stuff <laughs> there's nothing we can do to be acceptable to God any more than we are right now even when we're at our worst, God's still at his best. He loves us. I mean, he does discipline us sometimes. I mean, I don't know how many of you are parents or teachers. Parents is the best example, but you've probably disciplined your child. And the child probably thought, I don't like you very much. It's potential. Maybe you've been a perfect parent and never experienced that. And you've never experienced a child running off to their bedroom saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, you hate me. You probably haven't experienced that because you're such good parents. But you, even, even if you were at your worst, you know, there are times when I definitely regretted the way I'd shouted at Daniel. Except sometimes when I sit. No, there were definite times. You know, when you know you went too far and he was upset. But never did I not love him. You, you can be really angry and disciplining someone and putting restrictions on them, but it's because you love them. Yeah. And that's just us as foolish and weak earthly parents. Imagine how good God is at it. He's never going to discipline you unnecessarily. He's never going to get cross with you because he's a bit tired. He's never going to shout at you because you're whining on at him because he has infinite patience. Which is just as well, isn't it, really? <laughs> Not that we ever whine. 
God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For, and this is the bit that we got stuck on before, stuck on in the sense of God just going, here it is, here it is, here it is. Let God take you even deeper on this. It's amazing how you can come back to something you think you know so well and something else comes. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Imagine how terrible it would be if, if to get saved you had to do certain things. There'd be such a hierarchy of salvation, of people that would pray more, people that would worship more, people that would serve more. It would be horrendous, wouldn't it? The reality is there is no hierarchy. We're all children of God. We have different roles to perform, and some of those roles are leadership roles, but there's no hierarchy. We're all just children of God. Uh, and here's the one that was up on the wall for a long time. For we are God's workmanship. We had another translation up, one that I prefer. We are God's masterpiece. I know how many of you remember me ripping the Van Gogh in two. It wasn't a real one, but actually it still created audible gasps in the room. This beautiful masterpiece ripped it into, representing what we can do with what God has declared we are. We are God's, the, the, the Greek word there is poema. You can also just literally call it poem. We are God's poetry. Amen, amen, amen. Beautiful, expressive, most perfect poetry. You are beautiful. The word poema is used in one other place. It's used in Romans 1.20. I'll have it here somewhere because it's in the Bible. There it is. Um, and this is where you're probably familiar with this passage, many of you, some not. But for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. It's the bit that says from what has been made is actually the same word. It's the craftsmanship, the masterpiece, the workmanship, the poem of all of creation. So that when you look at the beauty of creation, you can see God. It gets corrupted and torn and, and damaged by the state of the world, as do people. But it's still in it. You can still see the sheer beauty of the creator behind that person. And we, what we do to the planet and what we do to people often greatly mars the beauty of what God has intended. But that's the whole splendor of the gospel. It's about seeing that person restored which is also to do with why we have to care for the planet, but that's going down another route. It's, it's about seeing the splendor of that person being restored to what God sees them as, what God created them as, before people got in with whatever it is. Everybody has had different experiences and some very tragic, bullying, abusive experiences that have marred that original splendor, but God is about calling that back out again. It's not a five-minute job. You can't just say, oh, I see it, I'm a new creation. Ha! I'm done. You are done in position. But if there's been deep hurts over many years, it can take some time for you to learn to live beyond those. The healing takes time. Spiritually, it's dealt with. 
and you have miracles that go click and people are changed. But for others, it's a journey. It's a walk. And it's, one is not lesser. We rejoice in all circumstances, so we're going to rejoice about that. But we are all sat there. And when God sat Kate there, he didn't say, well, it's nice she's there. Don't know what she's going to do, but it's lovely that she's come. It was all pre-sorted. Because not only is she God's poem, absolutely amazing poem, beautiful poem and then so is Hannah and Adrian is this gorgeous piece of art Den particularly thinks so (laughs) I think so too and with that piece of craftsmanship with that masterpiece God didn't make a masterpiece that was just going to be put on a wall and looked at it was actually made to do the good works of God which God prepared in advance for us to do everything's already there God still has the work of God for Joyce to do He doesn't look at Joyce and think she should have retired by now. (laughs) He just looks at all the things that there are to do. He knows that we have a very short time on this planet compared to eternity. And what we have to do needs to be done when it needs to be done at the age. God's plan for you is one of adventure, excitement, following him. He doesn't think, oh no, what can I do? When you step into the fullness of who you are in Christ and sit in the heavenly places, he already knows exactly what he has for you. We still have free choice. We still can choose what we do. But God is so incredibly beyond where we live. He knows the choices we will make. So you're free to choose. Everybody's free to choose. That's why there's freedom to choose whether you're a Christian or not. Because if we weren't free, there's no such thing as love. There has to be freedom. If you compel somebody, give them no choice, that's control and manipulation. That would be an abusive relationship. God will compel no one. (coughs) You can do, as far as God is concerned, you can make whatever choices you want. but he does place before you one choice that he wants you to make more than ever. Come, follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of people. Uh, What's missing? Us. We're all sat there. (laughs) it does say and Paul makes it quite clear he emphasises it Um, 
and God raised us up. All of us. With Christ and seated us. With him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If he'd wanted to make it singular, it's even easier in the Greek. He can use the Greek you for a singular person. But he doesn't. He uses us. He doesn't even use a plural you. He says all of us. All of us together are seated in heavenly places. And you know, that is what God is doing with the deepness. We're sat, all of us, with Kate. But all of us with Kate, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in this incredibly supportive, loving, caring, intimate environment, the fellowship of, the actual fellowship of heaven. You can't have a relationship with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with all of them. Because if you know Jesus, you will actually know the Spirit and the Father. A lot of people kind of get stuck on praying to one or the other. And they do have different roles in the persons that they are, if you like. But we still know all of them. As Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He also said, I'm going to send another counsellor. And the words he uses in the Greek means another one of exactly the same type. And the council, of course, was the Holy Spirit that was going to come. Knowing the Holy Spirit is no different to knowing Jesus. It's no different to knowing the Father. We can experience our relationship with all of them. Because they are people, personalities rather, not people, um, persons, you relate to the persons often differently. But this is not the austere father, the fun friend and the the lovey-dovey one. Okay, they, they are all loving, they are all caring, they are all wanting to relate to you because they are all together one God. How does that work? Three personalities, three persons, one God. I mean, we could do a whole study on the Greek words and get lost in the hundreds of years in which people have debated it. We can't fully understand it. We're talking about the spiritually heavenly places. And as I did with that example, it's like going from a 3D to a, a 2D to a three-dimensional world. It's another dimension beyond that we live in where two things can be in the same place that we didn't think could be. Because they can't be where we live. But in the whole big picture, outside of time and and the experience of this, it's all possible. We just can't see it yet, but we will. But just leave with one picture, because I'm finishing right now. There's you. That's where you sat. But everyone else is there with you in the church. The church worldwide and the church local. It's because we have joined in with the body. This is sitting in this chair, if you remember, the fullness of Christ. Remember that last little bit in the end of 1 Ephesians? Let's finish with that. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The body of church, the body of Christ, us sat in, heaven, in heavenly places, actually has become through his choice the fullness of Christ. Christ has, Christ has somehow chosen. I, don't, can't, I can't fully explain it. I don't fully understand it because he is without beginning, without end. He is complete in himself. But he has chosen to identify with the church in such a way to say, I am complete in the body. 
That's the relationship he wants. That of a head to a body. That inseparable. If you cut us off from God, we are dead. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. It was a fairly easy piece of acting, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. Go and enjoy where you sat. Amen. With everyone. And enjoy your coffee, enjoy your tea. It's been great to have you here. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.